Welcome to No Gods, No Master Volumes. I'm Simon, I'm a record producer, and I make pedal demos as Tunnel of Reverb. And I'm Guion, I run Holy Allen Audio, a one-man effects pedal operation from Wales. This episode, we talk to noise legend Dean Robinson. Dean recently celebrated 10 years of the project Knifed Out of Existence, whilst also keeping super busy running the record label Outsider Art. Dean is a fountain of DIY knowledge and a driving force behind the UK noise scene. We talk touring, DIY recording, how to play violin with a chisel and the top photocopiers in the Greater Hove area. Well, how have you been? I mean, you had that uh, the tour that didn't happen last week, right? Was that? Yeah, I was supposed to be going on tour with Richard, but then um, we've pushed it back till February just because Richard had a bunch of stuff going on. So, mm-hmm. which, yeah, needed to delay it. But um, yeah, I still ended up playing two shows, which is pretty good for... okay. A week that I wasn't on tour, so yeah, um, okay. I hopped hopped on a, ho- a show in Bournemouth with Hyde, and then did the first knife liquor show. Which oh yeah, me, me and flesh liquor, as as the name would suggest. <laughs> <laughs> was that that was a collaborative set then? Yeah, so it's just like we just had like a tape loop go in, and then like drum machine contact mic and both of our vocals on a kill switch, and just sort of yeah, let everything go, mad screaming. Mm dead stop back into the tape loop and so on for eight minutes or however long it was mm. sort of primitive and straight to the point oh yeah very nice. sort of yes yeah. yeah screamo noise core sort of vibes <laughs> best kind of vibes well yeah i mean i guess if we sort of start at the start because i really wanted to get you on here because i think uh like our audience in general, I imagine, are like sort of uh, in the guitar universe sort of thing. And I, I feel like there's, it's like an untapped sort of um, database of information in, in the noise scene that I find, I find it like really interesting. I don't know if it's because I spend all day testing pedals. So I'm kind of like, I just don't want to listen to guitars anymore. So <laughs> in yeah. recent times, it's been really exciting for me to, and obviously like there's, there's a decent scene in Cardiff at the minute, which has been... Um, yeah, yeah. One of one of the best in the UK, I'd say. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's the fact that Shift is such a cool venue as well in that weird sort of uh, <laughs> like abandoned apocalyptic basement that feels uh, yeah going to make everything feel quite exciting. Having a venue like that with somebody who's really supportive of those kind of things like makes the world of difference. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Like shift is probably like fifty percent of the reason why things are so good in Cardiff right now. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I don't think when did that place open? When did they start doing shows? I don't think I ever played there. I feel I feel like that old shopping set is because it's essentially a, a shopping center. So there's still units upstairs, but I mean they've been rented out to different art projects and stuff, or at least given to different art projects in the past. I think. Yeah, mm. they had their they had their birthday show the other day, didn't they? Was it? I think it was a f- their fourth or fifth birthday show. Okay. So yeah, I think it's four or five years, but obviously COVID, so basically three oh, years. True, yeah. Time means nothing anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did, did Did you know that they lost the space during COVID? No, so no. They basically they they've basically got the space until somebody comes in to like rent it out as like a business premises. And somebody okay. rented it during COVID, but then that business went under before lockdown even like was eased. So like they sold oh, it, okay. yeah, and yeah. So they basically lost it and regained it before it actually had any <laughs> impact on anything they were doing. 
which oh, is yeah. well, that's kind of lucky. I mean, obviously not lucky for that business, but good for noise. I mean, that, yeah, I was going to say that business probably won't be as good as Shift. So, yeah, exactly. sorry, business, but yeah, art yeah. wins. True. Well, I mean, on in in that vein of sort of like DIY spaces and stuff, and I mean, Knife Out of Existence has been a project because you've just celebrated 10 years right of doing this yeah project. 10 years in february yeah so if we go back how, how did that sort of become a thing what how did the project start mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so um i i used to play in a power violence band where i was doing like more and more noise stuff live um and then i kind of wanted to do sort of you know when i wasn't playing shows with that i still wanted to be like making and creating so i sort of started kind of make ideas to sort of do stuff solo and then when that band split up i was like well i can't stop going on tour because that's absolutely not an option so i was like so i need to sort out doing this live so what was supposed to be the last tour for that band is what ended up being the first tour with knife i already had that time booked off so i was like i'll go on tour then um and yeah basically I, i played my first show to make sure I could before that tour I'd already booked. So it was sort of, yeah, born out of, didn't have a band, still wanted to do any, do something. And yeah, like I said, I've been sort of messing around with noise stuff anyway. So it just, yeah, it just made sense to, yeah, I could, I could go on my tour on my own still. So yeah, that's kind of how it started was, yeah, wanting to do something on my own that I could tour that was, yeah, I was the only person that, you know, had to factor into that um so yeah it was yeah that's sort of how it started basically mm. and i mean you've kind of like you are sort of like in the uk noise stuff at least you're like the embodiment of diy i just really interested about like your approach to recording because i'm sure we've sort of discussed it before but it's like is it entirely diy have you ever been into like a quote-unquote studio would you count zen's house as a studio if so yes um, otherwise no I don't know. It, I guess it has to have a sign outside. I mean, I, I kind of would, but... Um... I mean, yeah, when I've been to Zen's, and obviously, um, yeah, Zen's got, like, more gear. Like, well, I mean, he's got, like, Ableton and stuff, so that feels like a real studio yeah. to me. Um, but, yeah, no, I've not done any work in sort of any, like, yeah, formal studio setting. And, yeah, certainly when I first started, it was, like, painfully DIY i.e. Mm. like a rock a rock band USB mic into Audacity. <laughs> oh wow. And I mean to be fair to be fair, now it's just a USB mixer into Audacity. So <laughs> Oh really? okay, it's, yeah. So yeah, I mean it's it's not um yeah, it's not um come on leaps and bounds in terms of yeah, technology it is yeah, still very still very DIY and yeah. I've not um yeah, not been in any, any more sort of like formal, professional kind of studio settings, really. Mm-hmm. No. I mean, I, I can't really imagine you making the, the sort of music that you do in any other way. Like, I feel like it would it would be quite strange if you were to yeah, go down. Yeah, I've, I've thought about. Yeah, I've, I've thought about doing it before, but like, so much of it is like working on this one little bit, and then sort of like sculpting a sound and then going back to it and then like recording vocals when I sort of like feel in the right place. It's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, so much of it is sort of like built on like 
recording a sound and then sculpting that sound and then going back to it. And like, I think it, especially in a studio setting, like that would be an incredibly frustrating process for the engineer because yeah. they would just sort of have to be like watching bits and like, yeah, cause it's, it's not like I can just go to a studio with like, all right, here's the drum part I need to record. Here's the guitar part yeah. I need to record. Here's the vocals. It's yeah. It's sort of a much more like stepping stone kind of thing. So yeah, I definitely think it, it lends itself to, yeah, recording at home just to, yeah, just sort of being comfortable in your own environment and working on something slowly and chipping away at it rather than... Well, it's like part of the composition process, I guess, right? Like, you're, you know, yeah. you're, you're like reacting, you're recording, like you say, you're making, you're designing some sounds and then walking away from it, kind of reacting to it. This is getting a bit wanky, but you know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know, it's like... No, no, absolutely. Insp- you're inspiring... It's basically inspiring the rest of the song with the process that you're using. That's pretty important for that sort of thing. Yeah, for sure. I think with sort of like noise and experimental, the like the sort of like production kind of elements for want of a better term, like that's as much of the writing process as anything. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying there. It's yeah, you kind of need that yeah, sort of reacting, which yeah in a studio setting unless unless you just had your own studio if you were relying on yeah. other people it oh, would be, yeah it'd be yeah it'd be very hard i guess it's kind of closer to like painting than it is necessarily like uh you know like that traditional setup for a band of slowly layering up all those parts that are just drilled in yeah because it's evolving yeah. it's not like you know here's the here's the rock song it's in four four yeah. it's at 120 like and like you know not shitting on that but it's just a, mm. it's just a different way of working, right? It's like, yeah, not like a verse chorus. Yeah, kind of. yeah no, because obviously, yeah, if you go to a studio with a song, you could then polish and how that makes mm. the song sound. But if if the thing you're doing is make just making a sound, like, yeah, it's it's harder to, mm. yeah, it's yeah, it's like you say, it's not just like four four bass drums turn up, know exactly what you're doing. It's yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, with that sort of relationship with with recording how do you approach sort of acquiring equipment because i mean you've you tend to have like a relatively straightforward setup a lot of the time right yeah um so acquiring equipment is just the the cheapest things i can get hold of like i've never spent like Mm -hmm. the nice the nicest pedals i have are the ones that you've kindly given me (laughs) (laughs) like there's 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 nothing more fancy than that in what i own so yeah it's just kind of like yeah Holy Island is the is the pinnacle. Yeah, <laughs> you're making it sound like I've paid you to say that now, Dean. <laughs> I mean, well, you, you bribed me with uh, some very nice. Yeah, yeah, I do the same for Simon as well. So <laughs> when I reach for my Holy Island playset, <laughs> it makes me great, make great music. Mm. Yeah, we're going to get called out. Yeah, you've <laughs> yeah sponsored ad. Um, but yeah, um, what was I saying before I was bigging you up? Um, <laughs> talking about oh, yeah, how so, you approach yeah. picking up equipment <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so it's 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 kind of like okay i i want something to do this kind of thing and i'll just sort of generally talk to people i know and then try and find the cheapest version of that or more often than not try and figure out how i can do it with what i've already got mm-hmm. just because yeah, it's, i think it's always very much been a budget project which mm-hmm. i think is sort of by design and necessity because it's like yeah obviously especially when i was starting out i had like no money at all like obviously i wasn't 
you know, the project hadn't, hadn't started yet. So I wasn't, you know, bringing any money in from tours or whatever. So there wasn't mm-hmm. the money to spend on gear. So it's just, yeah, getting some cheap distortions and reverbs and stuff and seeing what I could do. And then I think that's also why there's a lot of like tape use of stuff because that mm-hmm. was very easy and accessible. Like, unfortunately, like everything tape has become more expensive and like even cheap Walkmans aren't that cheap now, mm-hmm. but it's still, you know, it's still cheaper than like a, 600 pound synth or whatever so True, yeah it's yeah. just generally kind of yeah building a setup out of what i can access easily and cheaply or just focusing on what i've got and then trying to achieve what i want out of that mm. that gets very creative as well because like i've had that before as well where i'm like well i want to do this effect and i either it's either that i don't have you know the pedal that does it or i don't have the space on my pedal board to put xyz so i'm like how can i it's like it's just like sound design basically isn't it which is obviously super fun and it's just yeah but trying to create those effects with the tools you have in front of you Uh, it's something very like creative and fun about obviously that can be very frustrating as well it's not Mm. all like rainbows but like oh incredibly yeah yeah (laughs) but it is fun i was just gonna say it's another element that drew me to to what you were doing dean is like because i mean myself and i'm sure a lot of other people can get super obsessive about gear and like oh that's not quite right like this could have a slightly better tone control on this distortion but i think seeing a lot of people perform yourself included that just sort of like you know that isn't even an aspect of it you're just like you've got what you've got and you're you're making it do the thing i think uh was like a bit of a light bulb moment in my head which I don't know. It's just like it's like something that's weird, weirdly exciting to me. I think the throwing that. Uh, what do you even? Yeah, I guess it's just like super cat- capitalist uh, sort of gear acquisition uh, to make music. I think seeing people do stuff with what they've got. I don't know. Yeah. Also, yeah, I, I I really like that. That is your attitude when, like, obviously you make like guitar pedals and stuff, but then you like appreciate the fact that. You know, you're not like looking down your nose when people haven't got like a really lovely boutique pedal board, like, and actively find that interesting. I think that's, yeah, that's really cool. But mm. yes, yeah, yeah I, th- I think, f- yeah, for me, definitely like gear has been like a means to an end rather. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, I, I need something like slightly distorted and then heavily reverbed. And it's just like, well, I need something that does a little bit of distortion or a little bit of overdrive yeah. and then a whole bunch of reverb rather than being like, you know, I need this this specific kind of fuzz setting with this specific echo or whatever. Like, yeah, I think it's 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 a more a means to an end to like capture a vibe and stuff that yeah, sort of accurately yeah portrays I, I, the emotions involved rather than yeah 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 definitely. I mean, I'm kind of going against what I've literally just said, but I think it'd be really interesting for you to do like. A bit. Of, I mean, we spoke about it beforehand, but if you could do like a bit of a rig rundown of what it is that you use for a live set, because I mean, you've got your big old flight case that is full of bits, right? Yeah. So yeah, I've got a flight case which I think I probably started using like five or six years into touring, which is way too late. It took me <laughs> okay, yeah. way too long to realise yeah. that it's a lot easier to show up with everything in a flight case rather mm-hmm. than like. I think when I started touring, I started touring with like a bunch of pedals and a mixer just chucked in a backpack. Bag and then it was like assembling. Mm. Every- <laughs> bag for- oh, 
my old band had us like yeah we had it like a tesco's bag for life and that was just like every show is like oh where's where's the bag for life gone um, <laughs> yeah. man i've done some flying gigs where i've taken like a suitcase and no pedal board or anything and my my like carry on is just a bag for life full of pedals and you go through oh like, yeah you go mm. through security and they're just like what the fuck is going on <laughs> yeah, what is wrong with you like just just go through i don't even want to look at yeah. this <laughs> Oh, the most annoying thing with yeah, fly on gear like that is when you're like, do I need to take this out? And they're like, oh, is is it a laptop or an iPad? And you're like, no, no, no. Yeah, and then of. they scan it, and they're like, and then they scan, they goes through the like X-ray thing, and they're like, what is that? You need to take that. All <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I just tried to have this specific conversation with you because this is going to take ages to take apart, and you yeah, told me yeah. I didn't need to. But <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you wanted me to do a gear rundown. So oh, yeah. Right, so three three Walkmans with speed control on. Speed okay. control is very important. Every, mm-hmm. it, tapes slowed down is is just so good. That's slow. that's my favorite. Mm. That's my favorite thing in the world. And yeah, obviously, yeah, having the speed control to be able to slow them down uh, live is great. Um, I'm using an Alto mixer, which has got six channels on it, and mm. a really good built-in reverb. Okay. So, which means I can just like add a layer of reverb to like everything at the end mm-hmm. which is why that's that's become my favorite mixer um and then uh a lot of pedals from a boutique pedal maker dan electro oh <laughs> you're a bloody good guy dan <laughs> oh yeah yeah my boy danny e um, oh yeah yeah so we've got <laughs> so yeah we've got, got a fab metal and then a fab echo that's um nice. and then and digitech death metal which is Fuck yeah. that's there's like that's one pedal that I really would want to be at without. I actually lost one and rebought it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So on the vocals at the minute, it's yeah the death metal as the last pedal in the chain, mm-hmm. just because it's got a bit more EQ and yeah. I think yeah the vocals cut through a lot better with the mid on the death metal like ramped right up, mm-hmm. um, and then just a, a fab distortion regular distortion not metal and then that means i can have a slightly cleaner distorted tone rather than just like all out and then a behringer so slightly up from dan electro um uh, yeah behringer echo machine and then i've been running a behringer ultra distortion and fab metal and then the fab delay on the contact mic Mm mm-hmm and then also a murder one has a kill switch, which is just like a latching kill switch, just like tiny little white thing for to cut feedback like in and out. Mm-hmm. And then also the um, Akai head rush is a looper. Oh yeah! Oh nice. So I have that going as the have it coming out of the monitor out on the um, on the mixer, and then mm-hmm. have it coming into a separate channel on the mixer which means I can then send stuff to the mixer and like create a feedback loop with it. Yeah. And I can also like, yeah, rather than it just being using it as an effects out on the mm-hmm. mixer, if I have it coming into its own separate channel, I can like control it a bit more and EQ it a bit more yeah. and then, yeah. And then create a feedback loop because yeah, I've been enjoying that and you can slowly bring it up and mm-hmm. yeah, the way it sort of interacts with the loops already recorded onto it is yeah, and then obviously you can also loop stuff from all the channels, which is mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, three tape players, two yeah effects chains, and a looper is has been my life setup recently. 
and yeah, running running contact mics and them. Last show I did a bit, did a bit of guitar stuff as well. So oh yeah, well, and you had a violin yeah. at some point as well, right? It's, yeah. So um, which uh, that's only got one string now, which is kind of <laughs> why I've retired it because it's it's, <laughs> oh, really? it's it's um yeah slowly slowly become less and less useful but yeah so yeah what you saw me doing with the yeah, sort of like slowly looping the violin and yeah. building stuff up with that i've been doing sort of similar stuff but with like screwdrivers or nails under the uh fretboard on the guitar sort of oh, sonic cool. youth sort of style kind yeah. of third bridge sort of stuff mm-hmm. so yeah, but, yeah awesome. there's a bit more mm. bit more um scope for stuff i can do with that than um yeah scraping a what is it? Is it not a scalpel? A uh, chisel. A chisel. I was using a chisel ah, to play yeah, the yeah. violin. So. Of course, yeah. <laughs> I think that's what traditional. Else you right? use? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, actually, the, there's there's a bunch of stuff on record that is is me using a ruler to play the violin. <laughs> the the intro to Dream Stretches, Dream Stretch in Static, like the Commission Lady record, the violin yeah. I did on that is recorded with a ruler. <laughs> Oh, which is wow that's, that's amazing that's incredible yeah i mean if it does the thing yeah exactly yeah like Ooh. i was saying like just budget with what you've got a violin mm-hmm. that uh noted noise heads duncan harrison from brighton gave me kindly um <laughs> so yeah a, a violin that somebody gave me played with a ruler that i just found in my desk drawer so that's the perfect yeah that's, yeah, DIY, that's definitely baby. working with what yeah, i yeah. have what i happen to have and with with that setup where what where are the pedals are you running them as like insert effects are you sending to them or are you picking out specific pedals for like each walkman or for contact mics what's the kind of what's the routing so the yeah so on vocals it's so yeah just normal vocal mic through the echo machine into fab metal into death metal so that's one chain and then the other one is the fab delay into fab metal into ultra distortion and then that's either the the contact mic or the guitar like been, i've been swapping out the input on that one sort of yeah yeah fading it down and then bringing it back in with something so yeah and then the the walkmans are run like basically clean other than a bit of reverb on the mixer okay uh yeah Oh, that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, because the, the, the stuff on the Walkmans is generally stuff like I've recorded at home that it would be hard to recreate live. So mm-hmm. the stuff the stuff on those tapes has already been run through all those pedals a hundred times probably. So. <laughs> it's already affected. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, heavily so. And also just the, yeah, just the pitch control on the Walkmans is enough of an effect as well sometimes. What, what is it about like using cassette that like appeals to you and the pitch controls and everything like what do you remember way when you first started getting into that i think it's because i think i'm very sort of tactile with making stuff and like computer stuff like just drives me mad like (laughs) it just like i can't work photoshop at all and like mm-hmm. just the, the experience of trying to work Photoshop makes me angry. So like, I, I, I like didn't want that. Like I'm dealing with enough anger already when I'm creating, like <laughs> let alone the creation process, bringing in extra yeah, anger. Yeah, yeah. So like something, something like tape sort of made a sense to me. Cause it's like, okay, the sound is on this little strip. 
And I can see that strip going round and it's like, if a, if a tape player breaks, it's like, okay, that's probably a band. Or if the tape snaps, you can see the tape snapped. And it's like, it's very visual and it's like, it's very easy for me to understand and it sort of fits with how I work. Mm-hmm. And also I think like being into sort of like DIY culture and stuff, like I buy and listen to a lot of stuff on tape. So I kind of like the, the medium that's used to create it is also the medium that it ends up on. So the kind of, yeah, the sort of the symmetry between what's creating it and like what's created at the end. So I think, yeah, using, yeah, using a, yeah, a medium that is also the end product is, I like that element of it as well. It's a nice, like sort of circular life kind of thing. And I guess if you listen to a lot of it, you're familiar with the sounds. So it's like, Mm. you know, obviously the more you listen to a medium, the more you're going to, know the ins and outs of it and if you're working on tape and consuming tape that makes a lot of sense yeah yeah absolutely it's yeah there's there's a lot of tapes in my life so it's yeah. Just, yeah, it makes sense for to to use them i mean there's also a correlation i think like obviously using cassettes is like super immediate you record it and it's just there but i think uh like i joked about this with dean earlier simon i don't think i'm I might have mentioned actually, but uh, about, uh, you know, going through the top five favorite photocopiers in the UK or whatever uh, that Dean's, because I mean, I think we've both got a bit of a thing for photocopiers. I think my love sort of calmed down in recent years, but uh, I can see that it's still strong in you. But I mean, there's, there's like a bit of a, uh, there's some sort of link between that. You know how you, you're inputting something and it's coming out and it's not quite, a perfect reproduction the 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 machine that you're using to sort of duplicate something is adding to it rather than just perfectly reproducing something i think there's something in that that's yeah. quite yeah a photocopy is definitely the the visual equivalent of a digitech death metal like you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. oh it totally is. yeah yeah so like yes yeah, yeah like yeah, I, I do think a photocopier is like, yeah, a visual distortion pedal. Because, yeah, like you say, you put something in and what you get out isn't exactly mm-hmm. the same. And certainly some some details get taken away by that process. But then what it adds to it is, you know, very satisfying as well, which I think, yeah, there's definitely a lot of parallels between, yeah, distorting a sound and then distorting an image with a photocopier. Mm. Which, yeah. And then... Yeah, and so you've got the distorted sounds on the tape, and the distorted images wrapping the tape, and it's <laughs> yeah. analog, and yeah, this it all it all all goes together in a lovely. The cycle continues. Absolutely, yeah. a strict strictly monochrome. Yeah, man. I mean, on that same note, like because because you run um, outsider art as well, right? That is, I guess, yeah, a, pre- that's, that's a predominantly. Me. I mean, as far as I'm aware, it's a predominantly cassette based label, right? Yeah, there's been like a handful of cd releases in the past couple of years and then i've also did a lathe cut 12 inch version of the last knifed album yeah but um yeah and then there's been um the first first knifed album was a 12 inch many years ago and then there was also a seven inch but yeah yeah but yeah predominantly cassette based yeah for sure Uh, what was the sort of driving force to start doing that yourself was there something that spurred that or was that just the natural thing for you to do yeah i think it was just sort of like growing up being involved in punk and like you know like region like, like black flag and mind threat and stuff were like the mm-hmm. big 
sort of entry points for me. And it's just like, you know, Ian Mackay had Discord and like Greg Ginn had SST. And it's like, mm -hmm. also, if you're doing this punk thing, like you've got to do a label as well and you've got to put on shows because yeah. yeah. you, you, you just have to. Like that's that's the rule. So it's like, mm -hmm. I don't know, it was sort of in, in the back of my head that like I had to do a label. Like okay, just... Yeah. If, if if I wanted to be involved in these things, that's just mm -hmm. that's just what you did. Um, yeah. And then I think as I got more and more involved in noise, sort of, and you know, coming across more like tape based labels that sort of have like a very like curated aesthetic and sort of releasing like batches regularly, and it's like okay, like it's like punk. It's like oh, it's cool to do a label, but it's like in noise, it's like yeah, you you really do need to do a label and everybody's doing a label and it's, mm -hmm. see, I think it was, it was something I was interested in. And then once I was yeah doing noise and realized the extent of like how you can be involved in doing the label and noise, I was like, yeah, I really also, it's just, it's very satisfying to have like a pile mm -hmm. of like, when you do a new batch, like a very physical representation of like, yeah. okay, here's, here's a thing that I can see that me and my friends have worked on. And then mm -hmm. that goes out into the world. So yeah, it's just, something I sort of felt I always had to do and then realized I really could do and should do. And then it's also, yeah, very satisfying and yeah, it gives you a very sort of physical, tangible mm -hmm. document of yours and your friends sort of achievements. Yeah. I think it was like super satisfying just watching you and Dean put tapes together before that, uh, tour, like just, you know, the immediacy of you sat at a dining table making something that, I mean, it's just, it's it's odd, doesn't it? How something just sort of transforms into a thing when there's more than one. I always find it weird when I build like a batch of pedals, and it's like as soon as there's more than one together, it's like there's, there's a very I don't know, I don't know what the feeling is. It's like a very odd satisfaction of seeing that like oh, I've done a thing. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's I've done a thing, and also I guess it's a physical representation that like oh, there's a demand for more than just yes. me yeah. to have this thing. Mm. So it's kind of like. Yeah, visually realizing that like other people care about it as well, even if it is only fifteen other people. But you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, it's significant. Yeah, have you found that that's changed over the years since doing the label? That there's been, uh, is has it been like a pretty constant stream of the same audience, or is it is it developing, or what, what's going um, I mean, on? There? I think I think it's sort of. It's definitely like people that buy from me that have been buying from me for years and years and years. And like, obviously some people drop off and, you know, mm -hmm. some people stop, stop buying physical stuff when they've got, you know, not got the money or not got the space or yeah, probably think they it would be better spent on their children that they have now have or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. Losers. But, but there's definitely, yeah. <laughs> Posers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I've got I've got lots of friends who uh, chose to have children, and that's great for them. But I, yeah. I will continue to have tapes instead of children. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm, tapes and cows. Um, but yeah, so, but there's definitely I think there's definitely like a newer wave of people and stuff. And I'm sure, yeah, with like Cardiff and sort of Bristol and stuff, you've probably noticed that there's sort of like a new wave of like younger people coming through that are like interested in stuff and mm -hmm. distracting doing stuff and eggy tapes and Brackley and tapes and stuff. So the, yeah, yeah, there does seem to be a new, a new wave of like mm -hmm. slightly younger people, which is really good because otherwise it would just be us doing it in our fifties while like slowly yeah. more and more people dropped out. And like, yeah. So yeah, it's, yeah, I think it's, it's good that, yeah, new waves of people like keep a community and stuff alive because mm -hmm. yeah but yeah 
whilst you know there's definitely people buying stuff that you know have been from the beginning and like you said about knife being like 10 years old now there was mm-hmm. there was people at that 10 year anniversary show who were at the first show so oh fuck that's rare like, yeah there's mm. yeah yeah it's, rare, it's really cool so there's like yeah there's people have definitely definitely stuck with it so i guess yeah once you're if you're at the point that you're going to noise shows and buying like noise tapes you're like quite far down the rabbit hole like you've had to put like a reasonable amount of dedication to get to that place yeah, so yeah. like i think a lot of people do stick around because you know you don't casually stumble into like diy experimental music cassette culture like yeah no it's <laughs> you had to do niche, a bit of work yeah, <laughs> yeah. you had to do a little bit of work to get there mm-hmm. well i mean uh, in that sort of you know the community side of things in that vein um like you've worked collaboratively like a fair bit like obviously well we both know Zen we should probably say because people might be listening to this and not realize Zen uh uh is cremation lily cremation lily is Zen's uh project I guess you would say and uh you were talking about the collaborative set with Flesh Liquor I think you've done stuff for Flesh Liquor in the past as well am I right in thinking that so uh so we've done one tape together and we also both used to play in a band called Swallowing. So Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. So did you find like that the collaborative side of uh you know the the community, is that something that like spurs you forward? Is that an important part of it? Or is it is it quite insular or so like knife itself is super insular, like mm-hmm. that is very much me dealing with my own stuff on my own. Yeah. But like everything outside of it, like touring and playing shows and putting tapes out, like that's nothing without the community. Like, yeah, yeah. one of the reasons that I go on tour so much is because so many of like my dearest, closest friends I basically only see when I play shows with them on tour. So yeah, that like yeah, not knifed in recording and the process and stuff. That is totally insular and that's completely just only about me. But everything outside of that is like the community element of it is so so important like mm-hmm. yeah and do you find that like approaching things with other people uh because i know that zen helped with oh well, i as far as i've gathered zen helped with uh production for the for the last full length was that the case is that did you yes. find that so yeah does that change your approach yes, to does. things when you know someone else is involved in that in that sense or um well, I mean, with Zen's involvement, it's meant that the last two full lengths have been a lot better than it would have been on my own. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think Zen's the only person that I've ever worked with in that kind of way where it has been like, this is knifed out of existence material and we're going to work on it together to make it like, you know, the best it can be and sort of mm-hmm. like help like fully realise the, you know, the direction that we want it to go. Yeah. So, yeah, Zen's the only person who I've worked with in that sense. And I think that's just because we've like known each other long enough and uh, you know, we come from similar backgrounds and like yeah. Zen knows what I'm about and mm-hmm. has a greater skill set to bring to the table. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's lots of things that yeah, they'd be able to point out or, you know, ideas that they'd suggest that it wouldn't whilst they definitely did put their stamp on that record for sure, it's yeah. like it, it was it was never putting things like out of character for knife it was mm-hmm. you know yeah understanding the project and bringing extra to it and just helping craft it and yeah, and sort of like especially with sort of like the mixing and mastering and like stuff on the more like 
digital end of recording and like yes yeah yeah interface and doors and whatever like yeah stuff that i don't know about that they can yeah bring to it so on having somebody to run the sort of utility admins you know admin air quotes side of it means that you can just focus on that whole creative process even more you know like obviously that's a yeah pretty helpful situation (laughs) yeah it's it's yeah it helped massively because yeah i think especially when you're sort of like reading the material and have been working on it in one particular way for so long like you can't really think of another way that it could be or what else you could do because you've spent all this time doing it this way to so, yeah, get a second set of ears in that situation is is really helpful but yeah i definitely wouldn't like take a nearly finished record to like just anyone and do mm-hmm. that like yeah it's you know Zen Zen earned my trust to do that over over many years. So yeah, (laughs) worked for it. I mean, yeah, they've got like a such a unique sort of approach to sound design anyway that it's like a perfect match, really, isn't it? If uh, even if you hadn't have known each other, it would. It seems like I can't imagine it not working in tandem together. Yeah, for sure. And even even if we hadn't known each other from sort of our punk pasts, like we'd have definitely ended up knowing each other through yeah, more noisy kind of stuff. Cause yeah, I think our approaches are so similar and have such similar like ideologies behind them. But yeah, we'd have, we'd have definitely ended up knowing each other at some point. So. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's the, the beauty of the community though, is that people, especially, you know, it's like pretty niche stuff to be into, but I mean, I don't even remember how I first started talking to Zen, but it's, it is cool how that can, you know, bring, people with that sort of mindset into one room um mm. it's something that's always appealed to me and the people from like you know the other side of the world and stuff like you know, yeah i've i've played played shows like all over the place and it's you know yeah like, you know, played warehouses in iceland and basements in cleveland off the back of like yeah. you know yeah. shouting over feedback mm-hmm. shouting over feedback which is yeah amazing that you know which i think doing those kind of things with more like conventional music is sometimes like actually harder because i guess it's it's more accepted that you know like oh there's there's a band singing songs like nobody's mm-hmm. sort of going to really hugely go out of their effort for like an unknown person just playing like a bunch of regular songs but like with stuff like you know this that's slightly more unconventional and like less heard and stuff when you know when something comes along people people who are into that are like really enthusiastic and yeah. are, are gonna you know make that happen i think it's something we always come back to in this podcast is like the small niche communities are like the the joy that we all find in this like you know there's just no better way to meet people and no better way to find people with these weird little interests that we all have and it's just the best part of it isn't it yeah yeah, because I think yeah, if if you do have your weird little interest, you've def- you've probably spent at least a little while being the only person you know of that interest while oh, you're yeah. first getting into it. So once yeah, once you find your your people, you're like very yeah. enthusiastic about it. And yeah, it's funny because I've had a lot of experiences where I'll go to like some party or something, and I'd be like, okay, don't really know anybody. Oh my god! I have nothing to talk about. I don't yeah. 
So uh, what do you think of the this new reverb then? They're like, what? <laughs> like, okay, bye. <laughs> you need to go by my uh, method. Just don't go to parties, Simon. That's where you're going wrong. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'm all for the don't go to parties. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever try the uh, better nails, Dean? Yes. So, yeah, better nails. Um, I've... I'm recording a full length for my like just pure harsh noise project called Playworker at the minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been using that um, nice. better nails on that quite a lot. Like the when you turn it sort of right up before it just basically cuts out everything. So like only like the tiniest little bit comes through. You get all those sort of like weird like electronic like hissing kind of like mm-hmm. crackly bits. Yeah, I've been I've been recording loads of that recently for sort of like the kind of the more the the less full-on passages on that on the play worker full length so that's what i've been using it for most recently and then obviously we did that um the video where i was like looping it and yeah stuff, yeah so. dean demoed it for me oh, i mean that's yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the one part of that circuit where i was like should i leave this in i could probably take it out and i was like ah, feels wrong to take out like the most the noisiest part so i just left it in but um that's good to know that it it was worth doing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, obviously, yeah. When we did that video, I then used it and was looping it and for mm-hmm. noise on that tour. And then, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think it's going to be be hev- heavily featured on the playworker full length. So yeah, uh, I'll expect my name in the uh, credits. Thank you very much. Five, oh yeah, five percent. Yeah, don't worry. I was I, I was going to put yeah a special thanks to Holy Island. That was just a joke. Was, you don't have to sponsored do that. by. You don't have to ruin your release, yeah. No, I I was going to. Even even before you said that, I genuinely was going to put it on there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that was... Just a beautiful photocopied picture of your face. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm going to have to start just doing that. Chucking them in with pedals as well. I think people just stop buying things. No, please do that. That would (laughs) be so good. Just like a mugshot Uh, every pedal. Mugshot. Yeah, I've been tempted to photocopy the cat. Just shove her in like... Oh my god, that would probably that would get a better reception. I think she would kill you though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on that note, I feel like we're in like <laughs> a good position to wrap up. But on, on, on what note? On, on that the, note. the note <laughs> animals note. The note of photocopying my cat. Um, my honey. But I, I want to get out the what? Well, oh well, I've already teased it in this, but I want top five photocopy spots in the uk and i'm assuming they're all going to be in brighton is that the case um so i think yeah i think the ones i can remember most fondly i'll be in brighton or hove um mm-hmm. so my, my my absolute number one that i <laughs> i think about and and talk about quite a lot is in hove train station which is where i i live about like five or six doors down from Hove train station when I first moved out of pool, there was like the most busted broken photocopier just in the train station mm. that like you paid, paid the guy on the little sweet counter bit, oh, yeah. sweet counter off, like not, <laughs> off, not off license. Off license they don't tell, but you, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You, you know what works. I mean? Those little yeah, yeah, the, kiosk, the bits in the, in the kiosk. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. There was a, <laughs> a photocopier there that was like super, super broken and was like really on its last legs. Mm -hmm. So like it, it barely worked. So it wasn't like good for like making a, like a finished scene or whatever, but for like 
textures and whatever it was yeah. great and also like for the like two years that i lived next to it it was like dying more and more and so like oh, okay perfect I, I like slow slowly watched it degrade and also like definitely nobody but me used it because i remember like leaving originals on there and like five days later realizing and just going back and they're just still, still on the photocopy <laughs> <laughs> nobody had touched it oh what a dream um and yeah when i get the train through hove i'm just like I wonder what happened to that photocopy because it's not there anymore. I mean, presumably it did just totally stop working. Oh, yeah, 100%. Well, probably yeah. once I moved out of Hove, no, uh, nobody was using yeah. it anymore, so they probably got rid of it. Yeah. Where's that weird guy who keeps crying whenever he does a, an imperfect uh, photocopy? <laughs> I just, mm. Yeah. Where's the crying photocopy guy? <laughs> yeah. yeah. People would be, people'd be like, you mean Dean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I found this weird flyer at the photocopy machine, and that's actually how I discovered Flesh Liquor. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's I mean that's not far off how things happen, though, is it? It's, yeah. Mm. Well, that's a nice segue because I specifically remember photocopying photo the flesh liquor artwork on this photocopy that I'm about to talk about. Yeah. Whoa. So there was in there was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, smooth. Thank you for that. That we <laughs> yeah. that felt felt like we rehearsed that. I yeah. the radio. Um, <laughs> so there was there's one at a like. 24 hour off license they had like an internet cafe out the back um near near seven dials in brighton mm -hmm. and it had like two that one that was like a really really old analog one and then one that was basically like a giant inkjet printer oh yeah so stay clear stay clear of the inkjet one yeah fucking jet <laughs> yeah i always remember being like um when are you getting the ink in for this one because i went in there once and it wasn't working and they're like oh it's fine you can use this one and i was like yeah no i can't like, <laughs> when's idiots? this one gonna be working <laughs> laser only <laughs> yeah. i want the, the true um, darks <laughs> so, yeah sorry Simon. And also, like i love it trying to keep um yeah trying to like keep count of the amount of copies i've done because obviously i'd go in there with a stack of photocopied sheets to photocopy and then be like how many and i'd be like yeah like 15 and they're like but you've got all those there and i was like some of these i brought with me but like i mean i would always like photocopy like 100 pages and tell them that like i did 15 because mm. it was really hard for them to tell because <laughs> yeah i was going in with a <laughs> the stack mm. but yeah i definitely remember doing a photo a flesh liquor release in that place where i was like photocopying lots of infected eyeballs <laughs> for the as you do I think, yeah. I, th I think it was the first first flesh liquor release i did called exquisite things mm -hmm. yeah mike had sent me lots of pictures of eyeballs and just you'd get like a lot of normal generally older people that would use because i mean that's kind of the mm -hmm. only people who are using an yeah, internet yeah. cafe in these this mm. this day and age so yeah they're just like who are these weird people in like black, like photocopying <laughs> pictures of eyes? Mm. So yeah, one one of the photocopiers in that one. Um, yeah. The the photocopier in the library in Parkstone in Paul, where I lived just before I moved up to Brighton, because mm -hmm. that was kind of the one that I did all the all the earliest like outsider art photocopying on yeah. and also i think yeah they had they had two in that um library as well and one of them was absolutely ruined it was just like just came out with like a ton of lines all over everything mm. so that was a case of like here's the good finishing one and then like here's the one that's absolutely broken so if you want to use it for like broken purposes mm -hmm. that's great perfect so yeah host station the 24-hour internet cafe by seven dials 
and the one the library in Parkstone. Right. Those are the three, you three heard photocopies that have yeah, those are those are the ones that emotionally resonate with me. And if anybody can tell me where that photocopier photocopier and hove train station went, then like I just if I could actually buy that photocopier, I would probably spend way much more than it's worth to just be like, I own this one, the <laughs> one. You heard it first. The, yeah, the kiosk guy's probably listening to this. He's like, oh, fuck. It's eyeball scanner. He's finally, finally <laughs> reached out. Oh, I'd, I'd love to. That would, that would be such a like, beautiful, like, reunited moment. Like. <laughs> yeah. Oh, perfect. Well, yeah, I mean, we'll it, make it happen. Probably, probably mm. your, it's almost certainly wrecked. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. I remember being in Brighton once when I had a, a noise friend from over from America and they were clearing an office. And mm-hmm. as we walked past, we saw them throw a photocopier into a skip and then hit it with a hammer and, like, it split in half. And we're like, <laughs> oh, God, they couldn't have done this, like, in front of two <laughs> people more, yeah, like, more likely to be heartbroken. More emotionally. <laughs> it's like nobody would have bat an eyelid. And, no. Um, yeah. yeah. We just... It's just like, oh, I know you've just got over here and like, this is your holiday and we're going to have a real nice time. But like, Heartbreak. I feel that everything's been ruined now. <laughs> yeah. So you had to witness something so distressing. Oh, yeah. Oh, I feel bad. Terrible. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If uh, so, if people want to listen to what you do, Dean, and, and find out more about you, where, where's the best place that people can keep up with what you're doing? Um, so pretty much the whole of the knife out of existence that um like back catalog is on the band camp so just knife out of existence dot band camp and then at immaturity of movement on instagram is where i post about yeah the project and Mm -hmm. label stuff and other projects i do and then i'm on there's like knife out existence outsider art pages on facebook but does anybody use facebook anymore no just just kiosk <laughs> yeah, and chaos dwellers. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm also on Twitter. I'm on Twitter, which isn't even Twitter anymore. So nice. even X. Twitter's not on Twitter. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm, te- I'm technically on that as well. But yeah, yeah, I- Instagram and Bandcamp is probably the best thing. Like I use Bandcamp like a mailing list as well. So if you mm. follow me on there, then I post when I'm doing tours and whatever. So how yeah, Sick. perfect. Cheers, Dean. Yeah. yeah, thanks so much for coming on. No worries. Yeah, no, that's awesome. You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, Super fun.